0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what do you do? Just hit the hit the little thing. It's super easy. If you want to support the show, it's one of the best things you can do. So I appreciate that. Today is a very interesting day on the NFL calendar and you get this wide range of emotions, right? On the one hand, you get your first look at the Packers 53-man roster and the players are going to be making up this team through basically the entirety of the 2023 season. And yes, some players will come and go through the course of the year. Some will get hurt. You'll add players from the practice squad and from some other teams and so on and so forth. But this is still going to be your primary players on the roster this upcoming year, and there's a level of excitement to see just exactly how Brian Gutekunst and Matt Lafleur make up that roster. You also have a lot of movement in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be traded today, or if he had, maybe he has already by the time you're listening to this. Other key players through the course of the NFL may end up switching teams, so there's a level of excitement, and you're checking you know Twitter throughout the course of the day to see who traded whom and who signed and cut and waived and traded and everything else because it's a lot of movement in the NFL and those days are kind of exciting. And then you've got the other side of things where a lot of players who have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into trying to make NFL rosters see their dreams of making a 53-man roster shatter at least initially and we've all seen players go on, you know, to have success stories who have had releases and cuts and have had to work their way back up and find a way on another team. But you know, it, it's still difficult for those players. They got to fight and claw their way to try to make a practice squad and then get activated after that. And it's just a really tough process. So I definitely feel for the people who are losing their job, have to relocate their families and so on and so forth. It's just, it's a difficult day for that. So I always approach this day with as much empathy as I possibly can. There's still that level of excitement and we're going to go through all the different things that could make up this roster and talk about those things today. And we'll we'll break down the entirety of the roster once it's set. Uh, probably doing that tomorrow. Maybe we'll We'll go live depending on when the cuts are actually announced, but. Uh, just like I said, a very interesting day on the NFL calendar. But just remember to have that level of empathy as well. When players are cut, they are losing their jobs. These are real people and it's never easy to see You know, human beings have to go through that. So it's just it's a really weird dynamic in the NFL because we cheer for the, the players that we want to make the roster. And then it just ultimately ends up having to be the case where you've got, what, a 90-man, 90 91-man roster right now. And they're going to be able to keep 53, 16 on the practice squad, one international. But at least 2021 guys are going to be left without a job. And we saw one of those on Monday when the Packers did announce one release on Monday, and that was punter Pat O'Donnell. Now, if you have been following along, if you listened to Justice and I yesterday, this has been a move that I thought Green Bay could be doing based on a lot of different factors. Now, I'm not going to say that, haha, I told you so. I knew it all along. This is one as I set my 53, my final predictions, I went back and forth on a million times. And partially because I thought Green Bay might just go with O'Donnell going into the season with a new kicker and those sort of things O'Donnell's the holder. And I thought that could potentially be a factor. But the reason why I really thought that Whalen was potentially going to be the guy was because when you start looking at everything else, it really just made all the sense in the world. And I've said all offseason from like the day the Packers lost in the playoffs last year, I guess ultimately when they picked up Daniel Whalen to to now of a 32-year-old punter on this team just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I think people have a different view of Pat O'Donnell, and this is, again, where I want to try to approach this with as much empathy as possible. I hope Pat O'Donnell finds a job and that he punts well this season for whatever team ends up picking him up. But Pat O'Donnell was not a great punter last year. He was 28th by PFF. If you look at the statistics, he was not that great. And yes, it's nice that he held well for Mason Crosby, but the number one job description as a punter is to punt. And Pat O'Donnell was fine. And you do have to add in the curve of punting at Lambeau. You also get a game in Chicago. So you are going to get some poor conditions and some cold weather, but that's part of the job description as well. And I think another key reason why Green Bay went with Whalen is because he's got a bigger leg and that's going to be important when it does get to winter. Green Bay hasn't had a great deal of success with punters. Let's just put it bluntly, right? Uh, ever since Craig Hentrick really, they've had one of the worst runs of punting in NFL history, basically during that time. But they needed to get better. And Pat O'Donnell, quite frankly, he was fine. He was fine. It wasn't going to be anything that moved a needle, but like I said, probably around 25th, 28th punter in the league over the course of, you know, certainly last year, I'll I'll just leave it at that. But even in his time in Chicago was never an outstanding punter. It was just kind of run of the mill and kind of would get you by, but was never going to be a top 15, top 20, even punter in the NFL. And if you start looking at the advantages that Waylon had in his favor, first of all younger, right? 24 versus 32. He was cheaper. You yes, you lose some guaranteed money to O'Donnell that you've already paid out, but that is sunk cost. You're not getting that back no matter what you do, so you just have to look at the base salaries remaining and Waylon was cheaper than Pat O'Donnell. And it kind of comes down to that. Then you also have two other huge factors here. Waylon is under team control next year. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Now, if you're a follower of the NBA at all, In the NBA, you have player options and when it comes to a certain point, you can either exercise that player option or you can decide not to exercise that player option and the player becomes a free agent. In the NFL, an exclusive rights free agent is a player option because it's the cheapest contract that that player can possibly get at that stage of their career. And the 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 team that has that exclusive rights has the ability to basically exercise that contract or not. Do they want to continue? Do they want to sign him to the exclusive rights deal? If so, they get him on the vet minimum or the minimum deal they can sign him to. If they don't, they just don't tender him an offer, and then he becomes a free agent. So it is literally a player, like a a, a team option. Excuse me, not a player option, a team option that they have for that specific player. So they have that option with Daniel Whalen next year. If they want him on the team, they have him under team control. They would also, he would then be a restricted free agent after that. So they have him under team control for another season after that. Pat O'Donnell, meanwhile, an unrestricted free agent. He could sign with any team that he wanted to next year. So Whalen had that advantage as well. And then you also look at, and I talked about this a little bit with Justice yesterday when we were debating the punter position, is that Whalen, or excuse me, Pat O'Donnell? becomes a vested veteran if he's on the roster day one. And we'll talk about this more in just a little bit, but that means he becomes his contract becomes guaranteed, where if you want to go with a different punter at some point through the course of the season and you cut Pat O'Donnell, you still pay him his entire contract for the year. His entire contract becomes guaranteed as a vested veteran at that point. So that's another factor that was not in Pat O'Donnell's favor. So you ended up with an older punter who is a vested veteran. His contract would end up being guaranteed who's not under team control next year and has quite frankly, just been fine. And then you have Whalen who's younger, cheaper, under team control, and is not a vested veteran. So everything was in Whalen's favor. And I mean, everything to the point where if it was even close and actually I'll add one more thing to this. I fully expect Anders Carlson to do all of the kickoff duties this year because he has a massive leg, but If you end up having to go with a different kicker at some point who maybe doesn't have the leg that Anders has because Anders struggles, or maybe they want to take something off of Anders' plate so he can just focus on field goal kicking, whatever it may be, Carlson also is a kickoff specialist. He's got a great leg and showed off in the preseason that he can angle kicks to the corner of the end zone as well. So he has some value there too. So there's a lot of value with him that Pat O'Donnell, quite frankly, just didn't have. PFF graded Whalen as the better punter this preseason. I don't do grades for special teams, so I'm not going to pretend I broke it all down. But PFF had him as the better punter. And I didn't necessarily see a discernible difference from a holding standpoint. And I'm sure O'Donnell with a little bit more experience is probably a little bit better at it. But now Whalen and Anders theoretically are going to be able to grow together. And I think that's going to be an important aspect of this as well. The one thing I will say though is just because Daniel Whalen looks like the punter right now we have to remember that the roster is completely fluid and in flux right now. And what I mean by that is if some other team waves a punter, that's maybe some undrafted punter or whatever that they think has more upside than Whalen, they could just claim that guy and the success story that is Daniel Whalen today could become the heartbreak story of tomorrow. So I don't want to chalk everything up yet to like, yep, Whalen's going to be the punter. He's the guy that could still change. They could find somebody else in waivers that they like a little bit more. But as of right now, it does seem like Whalen will be the guy, but we're just going to have to kind of take a little bit of a wait and see over the next week to see if they make a change there or if Whalen does in fact make the team. The other thing I did mention to Justice yesterday, you could theoretically, if you weren't like super sold on Whalen or O'Donnell, you could theoretically release both and keep an extra guy on the roster for the first day and then put, you know, if you needed to put a player on IR like a Luke Tenuta, you could do that and then bring your punter back. I don't think they'll go in that direction, but that could be another way that they go as well. But I, I expect Whalen to be the punter at this point. You just never want to like completely lock that in at this point because they could claim someone else and Whalen could find his way out as well. What really made me, and I mentioned this to Justice and I tweeted this out as well, but the quote that really stuck with me as I was doing my 53-man roster projections is Brian Gudekind's quote. Jason Wildey asked him a question about sort of weighing out the differences between you know, going with players who he knows he can win with now, between going with players who are younger and maybe going through some of those growing pains. And this is what Brian Gutekind said in response to Jason Wilde's question. He said, quote, the goal here is to win a championship. And sometimes you have to create room to get better. You can't get better without playing. It's not easy. Growing pains are never easy. But if we're going to win a championship, we have to get better. We weren't good enough last year. We have to get better. And sometimes you have to create opportunities for that to happen. We just talked about it, right? Pat, even, if, even if you want to say he was a average punter, 20th best punter in the league, right? That's I mean, you're not getting better by keeping Pat O'Donnell on the roster for his age 32 season. That's just staying status quo. And that's not good enough. That's not going to ultimately win you championships. And we're being a little bit hyperbolic here when it comes to the punter position in this, but it's an overarching dynamic of how they're putting this roster and this team together in 2023. They know they have to grow. They know they have to present these opportunities to younger players to see who is going to take that step and who's going to be the players that lead this team to their next Super Bowl window. And yes, Daniel Willen probably not going to be the guy that's going to lead you into a Super Bowl, right? But it's an overarching process that Brian is going with. And I think this could be a harbinger of things to come as he puts the remainder of this roster together. If you are right now, Brenton Cox and Grant Dubose and some of the younger guys, maybe a Jonathan Ford, Tariq Carpenter, you're on the younger side of things on this roster and you see that move, you're probably feeling a little bit better. If you're on the Eric Wilson, you Dallin Levitt, you know, those sort of players that are a little bit old, you know, older, that that could potentially be like you, you may not be sleeping as well on on Monday night, right? So I I still think a lot of those guys could end up being kept. I don't think it's going to be just like, well, we're going to get rid of everyone who's old. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think they're going to try to present opportunities to younger players to try to see what they are capable of, not releasing players that they could potentially lose to another team that maybe claims them, or maybe they go to a different practice squad And I think that's going to be something that Brian Gutekunst is very cognizant of as he puts his 53-man roster together. All right. Now, before we jump into, uh, we have multiple main topics today because, of course, cut down day is super important. I also want to go over some of my grades and just film review from uh, Packers and Seahawks this past weekend. But somebody had asked me, and I'll just run through these really quick, but the different designations that you're going to hear throughout the course of the day. So the first one I'll go through is Pup List and what you need to know about pup list is a couple of different things a you have to start the entire training camp preseason etc process on the pup list and stay on pup through your initial roster cutdowns in order to go on the pup list meaning the only packer who is eligible to go on the pup list to start the season is eric stokes He is the only Packer on the roster that they can put on the PUP list. They can't just put any other player on PUP. It's not possible. The only player they can do it with is Eric Stokes. And if Eric Stokes does end up on the PUP list, which I think he will, he will miss at least the first six weeks of the season, and then they can reevaluate and have him practice and see when they want to bring him back after that but he would miss the first six weeks. And again, the thing I want to say one more time, he's the only player on the roster who is eligible for the PUP list. No other Packer is eligible for it because every other Packer had been taken off the list and started practicing and you can't put them back on the list. So only Eric Stokes. And again, if he is on the list, he will miss at least the first six games of the season. Injured reserve. If you put a player on injured reserve now before putting them on your initial 53-man roster, they are done for the year you cannot bring them back. Yes, you get eight returns from injured reserve through the course of the season, but the only players you can bring back are players that were on your roster initially. They can't be put on IR prior to that initial 53-man roster cutdown. So if they place a player like Tyler Davis is a great example of this, right? Tyler Davis is on IR. He's done for the year. Even if he has a miraculous recovery. Science comes out with a new torn ACL medicine tomorrow and all ACLs heal themselves in a week. Doesn't matter. Tyler Davis is out for the year because he's already been placed on IR. You cannot bring him back in any capacity. So if, if any player tomorrow is placed on IR, it's done for the year. Cannot bring them back. We'll go over one other option in just a moment, but that's the basis of it. Injured reserve return or a player who's eligible to return from injured reserve must be placed on the 53-man roster first, at least as of tomorrow. If they're on the roster at some point this season, you know, then they can still be placed on IR. But they have to be on the roster first before they can be placed on uh, IR return, basically. So let's say Luke Tenuta. He's an option here. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. If they were to place Luke Tenuta on the initial 53-man roster when they make all their cutdowns, and then tomorrow, the day after cutdown day, they place him on IR, now you can return him from injured reserve at some point this season. If they place Luke Tenuda on IR prior to the 53-man cutdown, or meaning like he's not on the initial 53-man roster, then they cannot return him. So, player must be on the active 53 to be able to be eligible for return. So, once you are placed on uh, or you know IR during the course of the season, not pre-cutdowns. Once you're placed on IR, you can return after the after four weeks of being placed on IR. And again, they get eight returns from injured reserve through the course of the season. You also could have a scenario in which they put Luke Tenuta on injured reserve. They put him on the 53. The next day they put him on injured reserve. So he's eligible to return. He sits out for four weeks, he returns, and then has another injury. And then they put him on IR again, and then they bring him back from IR again. They can do that, but that counts as two of your returns from IR. So just because it's the same player doesn't matter, but you can do that as well. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You have all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today. And I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday podcast. Now, BlueWire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support BlueWire's sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of BlueWire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com/BlueWire. That's WeFunder.com/BlueWire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday Podcast and our Packaday Podcast team. Thank you. Hello friends, as many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA finals and I desperately wanted to go to game six in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye, game six of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using GameTime app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. GameTime is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code pack a day for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Then there's waived. All right. If, they, if a player is eligible to be waived, which is non-vested veterans, if you're eligible to be waived, then you go on waivers and then you do the waiver claim process the next day. So everyone that's eligible to be under the waiver system has to go through waivers and every team has the potential to claim them. Then if they're not claimed, then they become unrestricted free agents or street free agents at that point. But if a, if a player has not reached you know vested veteran status, then they are waived and teams can claim them once not claimed then they go to unrestricted free agency. If you are waived with an injury designation, so let's say Luke, Luke Tanuda could be another example of this, right? So they would waive Luke Tanuda with an injury designation. So what that how that works is he would get waived injured so he would still have the ability to be claimed. So another team could say, hey, they waived injured Luke Tenuda, which means that they're going to have to put him on IR. But we we want to keep we would we'll put him on the roster and we'll take on the responsibility of that. So the point being here is what a team will do is they'll waive a player injured if they're willing to potentially lose him. For example, let's just say yeah, I don't know who else is potentially. Let's just say Eric Stokes was not pop eligible, right? And let's say they waived injured him, then some team could claim Eric Stokes and just say, screw it. We'll, we'll, we'll be the ones to put him on IR all year. We'll take the financial burden. Green Bay is out of the financial burden and we'll take him. But then we get Eric Stokes next year when he's healthy. So with Luke Tenuta, Green Bay may be more willing to say, hey, we'll waive him injured. And then the other team, if, if some other team claims him, great, we don't have to pay him the injury settlement then, and then they can take on the responsibility. If some other team really liked Luke Tenuta, they could, you know, they could claim him. But he's not going to get claimed. And then when he's not claimed, he reverts to IR for the Packers. So if it's a player that you don't want to get claimed, like if Eric Stokes was eligible, you would just put him on IR first instead of waiving him injured. If you waive him injured, it gives the other team an opportunity to claim him, but could get you out of having to pay the injury settlement if some other team does claim him. So that's how that process worked. If you are released or terminated or cut, people use those in a variety of ways. Those are players who are not eligible for waivers. They are released and then teams can sign that player right away. They, you know, they, they can sign as an unrestricted, they become an unrestricted free agent immediately and can sign with any team. They don't have to go through the waiver process yet. If you are released with an injury settlement. So this could be uh another Luke Tenuta example. Uh, actually, let's use Tyler Goodson for this. Cause I know a lot of people had some questions about this. So Tyler Goodson, right? If he is released within, uh, or waived injured, he would be waived injured first, right? So he's waived injured. Nobody claims Tyler Goodson. So he reverts to IR. All right. So he reverts to the Packers injured reserve list, which means he's out for the year. However, Tyler Goodson looks like he's eligible to return from IR or like, and actually play pretty soon. So what you do is you work out an injury settlement with the player and the agent and the, 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 um, team will work out an injury settlement. So how it works is that they'll go to the doctor and they'll say, we think Tyler Goodson's going to be out for three weeks this season. So they, Pay him as if he was eligible to play for three weeks. So they pay three weeks of his salary and then release him with that you know, with an injury settlement. And then he's free to sign with any other team. All right. But you're gonna have to pay three weeks of his injury, and then he's free to sign with whatever team he wants. This is why, like Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, some of these players where you're like, well, of course they're gonna end up on the practice squad. It becomes a really difficult discussion to have, but like in and, and way to figure it out because if you waive them injured, nobody claims them. They revert to injured reserve for you. Then you release them with an injury designation. And here's the kicker. They can sign with any other team immediately or any other team's practice squad immediately, but not your own. You are not allowed to sign them for the length of the injury settlement, plus three weeks after that. So in that Tyler Goodson example, if he's not eligible or uh, if they, if you re- reached a three-week injury settlement with him, you would not be able to sign him until week seven. So it makes it really difficult for you to get him back on your practice squad in any capacity. So that's what makes those, like when I say, I don't think Tyler Goodson or Lou Nichols are going to be on the practice squad. It's because I think they're ultimately going to be waived injured, put on the IR and then waived with, or released with an injury settlement. So that complicates things as well. As far as the practice squad goes, once the initial, you know, waiver claims are made on Wednesday, then you can start putting your practice squad together. So then you can start bringing back your own players uh, just because let's say Jadakis Bonds, for example, or Jadakis Bonds. If Jadakis Bonds is waived, doesn't get claimed, and then Green Bay wants him back on their practice squad. So they call Jadakis Bonds agent and says, we will like you back on our practice squad just because he was on your roster doesn't mean that he has to say yes to your practice squad. Maybe he sees another team with less super young wide receivers on it and says, Hey, you know what? The, the Bengals are offering me the same practice squad spot and they have less wide receiver depth on their roster. So I want to go sign with the Bengals practice squad. He can do that. There's no, there's no baked in loyalty to this. Once you're waived, the Packers don't have rights to these guys as practice squad guys, just because they didn't get claimed. More often than not, they end up on the same team. But if three teams come calling to Janakis Bonds' uh, agent and say, hey, we all want you on the practice squad, he does have the choice to go to which one he wants. Uh, so Green Bay can fill 16 of their practice squad spots. And they that money that they sign them with does come out of the Um, salary cap through the course of the season, but they'll get a lot of their guys back on the practice squad. They do not, you know, you can protect guys through the course of the season, but uh, you you only get to protect so many players. And if teams want to ultimately pick up a guy off of your practice squad, they are ultimately able to do that. Other ones really quick here, non-football injury list, that has to be a literal non-football injury or an injury that happened in like college football, but it didn't happen in the NFL. But Green Bay has no non-football injury list players, so you don't have to worry about that. And then vested veteran, we talked about a little bit. If you are on the roster week one and you're a vested veteran, your entire contract becomes guaranteed for the season. So just be noteworthy of that as well. So those are the different designations that you might be hearing. If you have questions, let me know in the comments and I'll try to get to as many as I can. But that gives you an idea of what you know designations there are throughout the course of the day that you have to kind of be cognizant of. Meanwhile, Packers are 15th in waiver claim order. So if you're wondering if there's a player that was released on Monday or that might end up getting released through the course of Tuesday, and you're wondering, I want Green Bay to claim that player, where are they in the, the pecking order for being able to, to, to claim a player who was waived? They are 15th, same as the draft order. Now, remember they drafted earlier because they traded up with the Jets, but they are 15th in the initial draft order and right now in waiver wire order. So 15th on the pecking order for waivers. All right. Just in case you missed it yesterday, just really quick before we go over uh, some notes from the tape review, which I know we're 23 minutes in because there's so much to discuss at this point of the year. But really, really quick, here were my official 53-man roster predictions from yesterday, including my 16-man practice squad and everything else. So Jordan Love and Sean Clifford, two quarterbacks, three running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Patrick Taylor, seven wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, Samore Toure, Dontavian Wicks, and Grant DuBose. Three tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, and Josiah DeGuara. Uh, ten offensive linemen, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, Yash Nyman, Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones, and Luke Tenuda. Now, Tenuda would be a player that they keep on the first day, place on IR the second day, and then I think they would claim a tight end or sign a tight end on the next day to add another piece to that room. Five defensive linemen, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, and Colby Wooden. Six edge rushers, Gary, Preston Smith, JJ, and Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins, and Brenton Cox. Five linebackers, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, and Tariq Carpenter. Four corners. I think they'll supplement this by calling people up from the practice squad. They also could claim somebody here. Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, and Carrington Valentine. Five safeties, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Tavares Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Dallin Levitt. Anders Carlson at kicker, Daniel Wellen at punter, and Matt Orzik at long snapper. Your practice squad, Alex Magoo, Emmanuel Wilson, Cody Crest, Jada Kispanz, Austin Allen, Kadeem Telfort, James Empey, Jonathan Ford, Antonio Moultrie, Aaron Mosby, Keyshawn Banks, Jimmy Phillips, Corey Ballantyne, Innis Gaines, Keandre Thomas, and Benny Sapp. International pathway program player and exception, Kenneth Odumegwu. Players who are com- just cut and completely off the team, Nate McCrary, Tyler Goodson, released injured, Lou Nichols, waived injured, or waived injured, I should say for Goodson as well. Deuce Watts, Bo Melton, waived injured, Dre Miller, Henry Pearson, waived injured, Royce Newman, Cole Schneider, Gene DeLance, Jason Luan, Chris Slayton, Marvin Pierre, Elijah Hamilton, Shamar Jean Charles, Tyrell Ford, William Hooper, Jonathan Owens, Broughton Hatcher, and Pat O'Donnell, of course. PUP list, Eric Stokes, injured reserve. Tyler Davis. That is my full prediction. We will see what ultimately happens. All right, really quick roster, uh, excuse me, tape breakdown from Packers Seahawks, 81 grades of offense in a preseason game. I don't recommend doing it. It was brutal to go through and grade every one of those plays, but here they are without further ado. Your top three players, actually it was top four players because there was a tie, but top four players on offense, Jordan Love, number one, and then Zach Tom, John Runyan Jr. and Rashid Walker were all tied for number two. We'll talk about the offensive line in just a little bit. Bottom three offensive players, Malik, Keith, Tucker, Kraft, and Dre Miller were all tied. Dre Miller really struggled blocking. Remember, he just made that transition from wide receiver to tight end. Malik, Keith, Tucker, Kraft both had false start penalties, both had some blocking issues. And then... Uh, Malik Heath had a couple catches where I thought he could have, or a couple plays where he could have separated better. Also like the one that they threw deep to him down the field, I didn't think he located it very well. Just a couple plays like that. Heath made some really nice plays as well and has had a great preseason. Nothing to be overly concerned about. And the false start penalties for Heath and Kraft really hurt both of those guys in the ultimate, or the final grades, I should say. My top three defensive players, Brenton Cox, Benny Sapp, and JJ Kingsley and Igbari. Benny Sapp, by the way, I thought it had a nice game even before the game ceiling, game-winning interception, and then that clearly helped as well. My bottom three defensive players, Jonathan Ford, I thought he really struggled to get off of blocks in this game. Usually PFF and I lately have been pretty much in lockstep. They liked Jonathan Ford's game a lot better than I did. They had a very positive grade on him. I had a very negative grade on him. Go through and watch it for yourself if you'd like and tell me who you think is right. I, I like honestly don't know what I don't know what they could have saw that they really liked in that game from Ford, but uh, I thought he really struggled to get off of blocks and didn't make much of an impact despite having numerous opportunities against second and third string offensive linemen for the Seahawks. Keyshawn Banks and then Ennis Gaines. Ennis Gaines giving up the the touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone to the Seahawks, to Bobo in the corner of the end zone. So tough game for for Ennis Gaines. I thought the play of the offensive line, especially the starters, was unbelievable. Uh, Josh Myers had a really great game. Jenkins had a good game. Rasheed Walker. And then you know the right side was really good too. John Running Jr. was fantastic. Zach Tom was fantastic. I thought the, the starting group was really, really good overall. I, the throw to love to Watson, I discussed this a little bit on my initial breakdown of, of the game, but as I went through and, and graded it, here's how I ultimately looked at this the route by Watson, a huge plus. He, he, you know, got right by the corner, gained acres of separation. And it was, you know, it wasn't anything like super fancy that the corner got caught flat footed. It was, it was a bad play by the corner, but easy route, easy separation for Christian Watson. That was a key positive. Jordan Love ultimately was a negative grade on this. Now it wasn't a massive negative because he threw a catchable ball. At the end of the day, it was a catchable ball to Christian Watson. It just wasn't the ball that you needed in that situation. Because if it was, Christian Watson scores a touchdown on the play easily. I mean, easily. Like he had so much separation. If you put that on him in stride, it's an easy touchdown. So that was a missed opportunity for Jordan. And to me, that has to be a negative in some capacity. That's if If I were to grade like an expectation for an NFL quarterback of what I would expect that throw to be, it would be a touchdown that should be a touchdown. And it just wasn't. You have to hit that. And to me, he still hit the throw to the point where it was catchable. So it wasn't like a massive negative or anything like that, but it wasn't good enough. And I think Jordan would be, and he was the first to tell you that as well, because he said in his press conference, Matt LaFleur said so as well. Now from Christian Watson's standpoint, we graded the route as a positive, but at the catch point, help out your quarterback. I didn't think he did a great job of getting it at its best point, I didn't think he did a great job of shielding the defender away from the ball once he had his hands on it. And I didn't think he did a good job of putting strong enough hands on the ball to make sure that it doesn't get ripped away. Was it a contested catch and maybe a little bit more difficult in the end because of the throw? Yes. Do I think he should have come up with that catch and made it easier slash better? I do. And to me, that's ultimately a small negative for Christian Watson. Positive on the route, but a negative at the catch point. And those are the things like. When you have a lot of youth on the roster, as I've been saying over and over, you'd like to see that play from both Jordan and Christian. You'd like to see the the throw in stride. You'd like to see Christian go out and help out his quarterback a little bit more in that situation. But they're a young team. They're still growing together. They'll get there. You can see the opportunity that's there with these young players. It's going to be there. They just have to hit those. That's a home run. That is a home run. It has to be completed. And instead, Love's throw left it as a double, and Christian Watson and not being able to come up with the ball, left it as an out. And it should have been a home run. So a slight negative for both of those. A couple other plays really quick I wanted to discuss. Emmanuel Wilson got a really great rep in pass pro. It was James Empey and uh, the center and Emmanuel Wilson who had to deal with uh, basically like an A-gap blitz up front. And they did a great job of it. Emmanuel Olsen picked up the blitz perfectly, stuffs the linebacker right in the hole and makes easy work of it. So easily his most important rep of the day was that pass pro rep and he aced it, which is a great sign for him. And if he wants to make the team, it's a really great thing that he ultimately did well on that rep because if he gets blown up, it, it makes it really difficult to make the case for him on the 53. So that was a really nice rep by him and certainly something that I'm sure GM, coach, etc. caught very big eye of when given the opportunity. The other thing, Carrington Valentine got one play in the slot. They just got a quick look at it to see if he you know, how it went. And he was awesome, it was in man coverage and he completely stuck right to the wide receiver. Now, this is not Seattle, this is not DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or Jackson Smith and Jigba. Take it for what it's worth, but he was super sticky and looked pretty natural playing in the slot too. So interesting rep there for Carrington Valentine. Players who I ultimately thought helped themselves in this game, Jada Kispons, Austin Allen, Patrick Taylor, Brenton Cox, and Benny Sapp all had really nice games. Players who I thought hurt their chances in this game, Jonathan Ford, Ines Gaines, Grant DuBose, and Caleb Jones. That is going to do it for me today. Hope you guys enjoy your Tuesday. I'll be right back here tomorrow breaking everything down from what the Packers ultimately decided to do with their 53-man roster. Look forward to talking to you guys. Subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Paco.